Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. But before we get stuck into today's episode, I wanted to let you all know about an unbelievable event that's coming back to Newcastle on February 16, 2018. It's called Awareness to Grow. It's just been announced and I'm really excited to be one of the speakers at the event next year. And Awareness to Grow is a live personal development seminar that will not only develop your self-education, but propel you in reaching your life goals. It's hosted by Bernie Garrett and Foundation Leadership. And at the event, you'll be able to meet, listen to, and interact with myself and five other international speakers. I'll have more details in the coming weeks, but I wanted to let you all know about the early bird tickets that are available until Friday, December 15, unless sold out prior. I have more information on my events page on the website, and I'll have a link to the early bird tickets in the show notes at liveimmediately.com where you can grab the early bird discount. So don't give stuff for Christmas that people really don't want or need. Why not give yourself and a loved one, or even your team at work, the experience of personal growth? I hope to see you there. But on to today's episode, and what does freedom mean to you? What does it look like? How could you inject more freedom into your daily life? My guest today is Natalie Sisson, and she is all about creating freedom in business and adventure in life. For the past seven years, Natalie has been living out of her suitcase while running her business and traveling to over 70 countries. In this episode, Natalie talks about building a business that supports your lifestyle and not one that takes over it. The importance of taking action to get past that first hurdle, minimal living, and the future of work. But don't be confused, this episode isn't purely about business or about travel. It's about cultivating personal daily freedom and aligning your values, however that might look for you. Natalie is obsessed with freedom and is on a mission to help you simplify your life, feel connected, live mindfully, and develop personal freedom. As 2017 draws to a close and we start thinking about how we want 2018 to unfold, Natalie has created the online How to Plan Your Ideal Freedom Year workshop. I have links to it in the show notes at liveimmediately.com, but if you'd like to set your vision for 2018, map out your quarterly, monthly, and weekly actions, have access to Natalie's six-step daily success plan, and so much more, then I think you should check it out. You never know where your freedom could take you. Natalie definitely walks her talk, and she's done so across many countries. She lives life to the fullest, and she takes action to create personal daily freedom. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Natalie Sisson. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I am fantastic. That is great. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? I'm in beautiful, sunny Maymorn, New Zealand, which is about half an hour north of Wellington. 
Maymore. Okay, well, I've never heard of Maymore. Bit- I had never heard of Maymore either. And then we bought a house here. So that's one way to learn about a place. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. And I guess depending on the day you're asked that question, it, it's quite possible that your answer could be very different as you are the, the suitcase entrepreneur and, and you run a website of the same name. And for the past seven years, you've been like living in and out of a suitcase, traveling to over 70 countries whilst running an online business, which just sounds like a really super fun adventure to me. <laughs> so I guess a big question here, where and how did that ride begin? Ah, oh, Let's take it back. It started actually in 2010, but if I'm really realistic about the freedom aspect of everything that I love about life, it probably started in 2008 when I quit my corporate job. And I was like, that's enough. I've had enough of bureaucracy and the office politics, and I'm going to go off to Vancouver, Canada, play some ultimate Frisbee and start my own business, which didn't actually happen. I ended up co-founding a technology company, but that was the start of, you know, the entrepreneurial path, which I've been on ever since. And and then kind of bringing us forward here. So you're in Canada. How did, you know, how did the whole traveling, like w- what is your online business? What What enabled you to travel for so many years? Yeah, great question. So ultimately, um, the suitcase entrepreneur business is, was me as a personal brand and wanting to help people create freedom in business and adventure in life. That's my little tagline. And what I did was mainly blog and podcast like crazy for many, many years. So lots of fantastic free information about building your online business, but building it in a way that didn't mean you had to always be behind it. So how do you build a business that runs without you? Or is it at least somewhat automated that has great systems and processes and sales funnels and a team so that you're not having to work like crazy? Because I'm all about building a business that supports your lifestyle, not one that takes over it. So my sort of ways of monetizing that was through, well, I did have podcast sponsorships, but I would create products, services and offerings that I knew my audience needed um, that were either mini courses or full courses with coaching, retreats, workshops, um, just so many things that I've created over the years. I'd also be speaking, um, and also through affiliate marketing. So I can't obviously provide everything myself. So if I liked tools or software that I was using or other people's courses that would help my audience, but I wasn't going to create, then I would often promote that to them. So just a a range of probably about seven or eight different revenue streams that made up that online business. Wow. It kind of rolls off your tongue. So easily <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that easy kind of creating all that together and and you know there would have been a, I guess a big learning curve for yourself whilst you whilst you're going through all that and also pulling on some of the knowledge that you would have developed before kind of li- living this life of freedom but how did you did you know that you wanted to I guess create something that educated people or did one thing kind of lead to another like how did how did you dis- come to that realization it's a that's a really great question. I think I've always been naturally curious and super motivated, and I have this desire to share everything that I know with people. Um, even back when I was in the corporate world, like anything I was learning, I'd be like, "Hey, did you know this?" And then I'd always have a desire to learn more. So I think I effectively became what I call a leading learner, and I actually took that. Um, term from Roger Hamilton of wealth dynamics, but a leading learner is somebody who's just a couple of steps ahead of somebody who's wanting to get to where they are. So you're not an expert, you know, it takes years to become an expert. You're not a master, but you do know quite a lot more than somebody who's a couple of steps behind you. And so by 
sharing your knowledge, they can fast track themselves to where you are. And that's the way I always viewed it. Like, what have I just learned that would be really handy to my audience? And how can I deliver it in the best possible way so that they take action and actually make it happen? And I think that's such a great, that leading learner, it's such a great position just to have in life, even if it's not in business, because I think sometimes people get held back because they feel that they don't know every single step of the way. So they just don't want to start. But just to to have that understanding of, you know what, I'm a, I'm a couple of steps ahead, or I only need to learn a few more steps ahead. So that first step doesn't seem like that gigantic leap. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge action taker. So I feel like that's one thing that I can do. Like that's my sort of gift to people is, is pulling them along for the ride and saying, no, no, come on, you can do this. Get past the first hurdle. Imperfect action is better than nothing. And let's just, you know, take a shot at this and see what happens. Because I think when you start a business or if you're thinking of starting a business, there's so many things that get in the way from actually just doing it. There's all the fears and the hopes. And then the, I don't know about technology or I don't know this step. So therefore I just won't do it. And just all these barriers that we put in our own path uh, before we've even gotten anywhere. And so I just really want to help people get past those. Mm, oh, beautiful. And so let's jump into your suitcase here. And, and I don't need a, an item list here, but apart from your computer, what are some items, you know, that you've traveled around the world, you've gone to 70 countries that you, you've realized, you know what, I just can't live without these. Mm, good question. Well, I went traveling the other, so I'm not doing half as much traveling anymore. Um, and I'm transitioned more into just Natalie Sis and the brand, and I'm really passionate about personal daily freedom. But I did go to the US a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot a travel adapter. And I was like, what were you thinking? Like, that's always the first thing that's in my, you know, overnight bag or my carry bag is just a travel adapter, because otherwise you can't plug your laptop in or your phone, and it's just a pain in the ass. Um, second is probably a, a power vault. So, you know, a, an external power vault, so you can always plug your phone in, because not every single plane has a USB port or a power charger. Um, and the very last thing you want to go down is your phone or your laptop, especially if you're working from it or if you do everything from it. So they'd be like my absolute must haves. I also invested in some Bose noise cancelling headphones mm. last year and they're phenomenal. And I got the wireless kind so you can walk around and be not right next to your computer and they're amazing. And they're also amazing on planes because they cancel out all the other noises going on. Sometimes I don't have anything in them. I've just got them on my head because they're incredible. I'm wearing them right now. So those are some of my, in terms of technology and gadgets, um, some of the must-haves. And I guess I've got, I've got plenty more. <laughs> I, I could imagine. I could imagine. But those those headphones are, are, are so brilliant. I don't have the the yeah. Bose pair, but uh, on planes uh, with some kids that might uh, have some ear issues as there as the pressure yeah. is adapting, uh, they can definitely help there. Um, but I guess, you know, living out of a suitcase, and I know you, you, life, life has changed a, a little bit for you. You know, you, you're kind of planting your feet down a little bit. But living out of that suitcase is quite minimal. And I guess mm -hmm. has, has living with less been a part of your life always or was it something that you evolved into? And, and a second part to this question, you know, how have your minimal tendencies shaped the way that you do and run your business? Mm, great question. I 
Somebody asked me this the other day, actually, and I thought, oh, that's a really useful question. I think I actually always have been a bit of a minimalist. Um, both my parents are from overseas, and so we've traveled a lot since we were kids. Um, and we also jumped around houses quite a lot. And I just think they were excellent at kind of going, you know, we don't need this anymore. We're just going to start off with this. Um, and I think maybe that's directly influenced me. But even just from when I was a kid and I had pocket money, I would save up and I'd actually buy flowers for my mum. I know I sound like the best kid in the world, um, but I'd never really buy stuff I'd spend it on an experience like you know was I going to go to the park and I needed some money for an ice cream um, and I never spend it really on stuff and even as I grew up in my teenage years and when I was at university one you don't have much money when you're at university and two I just I wouldn't spend it on things um, or I'd save up a lot for something really special that I knew was good quality and I was going to use forever um, so I think I've always sort of had that tendency that I just don't need stuff I've never really been materialistic um, I almost never wear much jewelry at all I, I tend to forget and just don't put a lot of emphasis on material things they don't hold a lot of intrinsic value to me it's the people that gave it to me or the memory that came from it that does um, so yeah and then living out of a suitcase obviously really forces you to just pare down and just look at the basics and it's actually really freeing as well as you probably know it's super freeing to not have much stuff like just being able to know that I could pack up at a moment's notice in my suitcase and go anywhere but also just leave at a moment's notice was really amazing um it's just so lovely because everything else weighs you down it yeah, really it, does it, it so. really does and I, th and I think too you know from a when you're traveling your your items physically weigh you down but just mentally having stuff you know, in, in your house, like excess stuff just, just mentally weighs you down as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. It's big. And you see that when people trying to keep up with the Joneses, wherever that term came from, I need to look it up. But, you know, they're buying more and stuff and they're doing fancier things and they're buying the flash house and the car and they're not more happy as a result. They're actually in some ways more stressed because now they have to financially keep up with the lifestyle they've chosen and all the things and they're trying to keep up with appearances and all those, you know, it, it sounds so trite, but it, it's happening all the time. And I'm like, why would you bother if, why does it matter if you mm. don't have the car that they have? Like what, isn't it at the end of the day, if you were stripped of all these things, it's you that counts. It's mm. you and what you have to give that is the most important. So it's, I've never really fully understood it. I love nice things and I like staying at, you know, beautiful hotels and treating myself to massages and things from time to time, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all. Mm. I prefer to invest my money into people and into ideas and into companies and into experiences. Yeah. Beautiful. And you, you mentioned earlier that you've, you've bought a place in New Zealand um, and yeah. it, you, it's your, your home base or your, your freedom HQ as uh, <laughs> you, you like to call it. And it's this beautiful property in the countryside. Has, has all the travel kind of made you want to want to plant your feet a little bit more? And, and I guess, too, why did you choose um, a beautiful place in the countryside and, and, and not a city? Yeah, it's really funny. I don't think I realized that after all these years of traveling. I mean, I, I think I did deep down, but I really just adore um, nature and wide open space and quiet havens and I think it's because I've traveled to so many cities and I've lived in cities and I've been on the go at noisy airports and bustling crowds and you know I've gone f every single time I've traveled I've really liked the spaces where you have peace and quiet and just space to think uh, and we lived on a farm for four years when I was a kid we were city city folk the whole time we ended up buying a house kind of on the fly this beautiful part over in the Wairapa here in New Zealand and it was the four happiest years of my life we had chickens pet lamb um, 
a pet sheep as well, a horse, and just 30 acres of land. And it was some of the happiest times in my life because life was just beautiful. Like you were just out on the land. And so just, I think just, I've just, always sorry, carried that, that with me. Just on that point, mm. how old were you when – I was um, Greg was I was ten to fourteen, like those sort of definitive years when you actually appreciate. I think being on a farm, you're just like a little kid. Um, and then after that, we went back to the city, and it was fantastic. Like that was the time I wanted to be back there and going to university. But it's always been some of the most special, fondest moments with my family. And so when my partner and I bought this place, I, I've always wanted a puppy. I'm not going to lie. And traveling, traveling the world doesn't really allow you to have a puppy. I know of people who do travel with their dogs, but it's expensive and it's a little bit tougher, but it can be done. And we just found this place kind of by happen chance. And I was like, this, we'd made a dream list of what we'd love in a property and a location and a lifestyle. And this just ticked every single one of them for both of us. And I was like, well, that's it then and it's just like it makes me so freaking happy every time I wake up in the morning and I look out at our view I just want to like do a jig of joy it's seriously amazing <laughs> not that I didn't love all the travel but I think maybe all those years of travel and not having one fixed abode was so fantastic but also challenging at times mm. and I think now that I have the space I just feel extra grateful for it um yeah, it's well, like my perfect – it is my perfect lifestyle. Well, I, I am going to ask you to hopefully film yourself doing a jig of joy and put that up on Instagram for everyone because <laughs> I would love to see that. But, um, you know, with all the countries that you travel to, what are the aspects of a country that make you like it and what are the countries that you've loved the most? Yeah, I think the people is – it sounds so funny, doesn't it? It's usually culture and people that is something that really makes me like – a place. Um, you know, I've been to some places that aren't so wonderful, but the people were so generous and hospitable that they made it a more likable place. Um, and then I've been to some places that look absolutely amazing and incredible and you've had a bad experience and it just kind of sours it for you. So um, typically, yeah, the culture, the warmth of the people. I mean, it's true if you think about it from Northern Hemisphere. I, I really love Scandinavia, but the people are just a little bit more sharp. Um, you know, they're great, but they're just a little bit more sharp. It's a little bit colder. Things are a little more clinical, a little cleaner. And then as you go south towards the Mediterranean, people are more relaxed and chilled out and it's sunnier. And, you know, there's benefits to both. Mm. <laughs> but I just kind of love the warmth of the Mediterranean and some of the, the countries that are just in warmer tropical climates because they're usually more easygoing. Um, I'm a, a bit of a warm weather person myself anyway, and they're more relaxed and they really appreciate family, friends, good food, you know, good wine and experiences is what I found through my many, many years of traveling to so many countries. Um, some of my favorite countries, like I bought a house in Portugal last year because I fell in love with it so much. And I was like, I just want to, I really wanted a base by that stage. I could tell. You can probably tell. Um, so I bought it and I want to go back there, you know, a couple of months every year. It's just a, it feels like the European New Zealand. People are very proud but not arrogant they've got the big brother of spain sitting there on their shoulder like new zealand to australia and they've got fantastic coastal um you know coastal destinations for surfing and swimming they've got great food great vineyards and just a really warm relaxing lovely country and not too big either and not too populated um so that's one of my favorite i genuinely love Europe it's just got so much class and history and culture and then I really love the vibe of Southeast Asia or Asia in general it's you know absolutely growing into an economic superpower and it's the hub of all the creativity and technology and then South America's like totally different again so I just you know just jumping around the continents there's benefits to all of them. So everywhere is pretty much a great way to sum up that answer. Yeah, really <laughs> it wasn't very specific. 
Exactly. <laughs> which is which is beautiful. And like you, you've spoken about freedom a few times here, and it's something that you strongly value, and it seems to be a guiding compass for you. You make a lot of your decisions on how you're going to be able to still cultivate that freedom. And when I chat to people, something that comes up often is how they struggle to articulate or figure out what they value. Like, is there a process that you went through to discover your values and align them with your actions? Sorry, can you just say that again? I just totally so just walked no, no. by the window and totally put me off. Sorry. No, so I was talking about like freedom is such a big thing for you and it's really mm-hmm. it's it's something that kind of guides your decisions, you know, what how how you know, what can you do now that's still going to be able to kind of create your freedom and I feel like that's mm-hmm. you've really aligned your values to that. And when I talk to people, often some of the things that they will say to me is that they kind of struggle to be able to articulate what their values are and then mm-hmm. align those values with their daily actions. And I just wanted to know whether there was something that you did or a process that you went through to kind of figure out like what really drives you inside and then being able to align that. I think it's one of those sort of things that just happens organically over time with obviously some intent on what are your values. I do it regularly, probably every couple of years, I do actually write out my values and see if I'm in alignment. Um, And I'm also an avid reader and learner. So I like to kind of look at theories and frameworks and see how they apply. Um, I'm one of those profile test people. I just love them. I like learning about myself and I regularly reread them and then actually act on them. But I think ever since I quit my day job, the corporate world and said, I'm just not prepared to be working for somebody else anymore, not in these conditions, not where you're limited in what you can do, um, not where you're associated with all this office politics and you're so restricted and so unfree. So that was my first kind of never want to go back there or if I do, I want it to be on my own terms. So I was very clear about that. And then once I started traveling and had just enough, you know, financial just enough financial income, I guess, through my business that I could start having a little more lifestyle freedom, then I started focusing on, well, um, what do I want to do? Do I want to be traveling all the time? Do I want to be in a couple of places uh, several times a year? Which countries would I prefer to be in? Can I afford those now? As you mentioned to me, it's actually often cheaper to travel full time than to live in one place. Um, and so I think as I kind of progressed throughout the years and realized what was important to me and and had a real taste of all the things going on that you could have in the world um it just became about a really lovely harmony between travel and business and play and work um and i've just been always really clear on knowing when i feel energized and in flow and also when i'm doing something just for the sake of having to do something and i had one of those moments earlier this year when i i took a business sabbatical because i just wasn't loving what I was doing anymore. I wasn't 100% into it. And I was like, well, that's a sign. Why is that? And I took a break. I took three months off my business. And I really sort of dove deep and wallowed and and went through all sorts of ups and downs, actually, because your business is, for me, such a huge part of my identity. And I think what I was doing was releasing that and saying, what if it's not your identity? What if the business isn't you? What do you want to be doing? Um, And came out the other side of that really energized and just really ready to embrace this new lifestyle that we have because it was a huge change this year going from suitcase to property mm. from no no loving partner to a loving partner to to no dog to a little kid you know she's she's basically a gorgeous german shepherd but she's a little kid and uh, just going wow my whole life has changed and then embracing that going oh my god i love it so i think it's just being really true to listening deep within am i feeling joy am i in line am i in flow and 
am I doing this because I want to be doing it and therefore I can give my greatest gifts? Or am I doing it because I feel the sense of responsibility that I need to turn up for these mm. people that I've supported for years? And that was the big aha moment for me. And you, you said a word there, harmony. And it, it's so true, like having all of those different parts of your life kind of working together in, in harmony. And, you, you, you know, we're spoken here about traveling and all of these great things that you've seen. But at the end of the day, you're still running a business. How, how did you, I guess, f- you know, when you talk about like a day, how did you kind of shape your day around being able to travel and go out and see sites, but then also working on your business? Or was it kind of like a nine to five, but just in a different location? Yeah, it was actually a constant um, juggle. And so there were times early on when I really didn't have enough money to justify swanning around being a tourist. And so I'd work, you know, more of the day and then I'd whip out for a tour or walk or take some of the sites in. And there were days when I'd be in this new location and I was really frustrated at myself because I spent all day working instead of exploring. And then there'd be other days when I'd spent all day exploring and I was like, oh, I probably should have really done some work. And uh, it was a constant balance. And then I, I got to a point sometimes as well in my business where I was launching. So I wanted to be based in one place and spend more time working on the business. And then I knew as a result of doing that launch and doing really well financially, then I could take several months where I just eased back. So I think I was just always very cognizant about my year ahead. Um, Didn't plan it down to the T, but I would kind of say, look, if I know this is working period, this is play period. This is travel period. This is working period. Um, But early on, it was definitely a juggle and I'd often feel guilty regardless. I'd be like, I'm playing. I should be working. I'm working. I should be playing. And I just, I used to just get to this point where I was like, get over it, like structure your day how you want it. And what I found in the end was the best was get up quite early do my yoga or do whatever I wanted to do, work for three to four or five hours intently, and then go out and spend the whole afternoon exploring. Because there's only so long you can work for before you mm. you know, get depleted of energy. And then I could come back and just check in in the evening and then head to bed and, and do it again. And it worked really well because often the afternoon is just like the time when you want to explore. Your brain's a little bit more dead, so it's perfect for getting your energy back. Yeah, I agree. I find like you know, both Inga and I get up quite early and and do some work in the morning. So then we've got like family time with our daughter um, before school, and you know, once a week we we head down to the beach and have breakfast down there, and and then we come back and do some stuff during the day. And if it's a rainy day, where well, we're going to be working heaps, but if it's a beautiful day outside, we're we're going to get out as well. And we try to kind of weave in just it, that it becomes life, not that it becomes yeah. this kind of work play kind of scenario or this kind of balancing act it's just like we're trying to to mold and do it all together and some days it works better than others which i'm sure you've um, encountered yeah exactly but, it, but if, if someone comes up to you natalie and they say you know i i love the freedom that you have in your life and i'd i'd love to have that in mind so i could go traveling with my family but i just don't know where to start mm-hmm. how would you help that person I'm always thrilled when people take their families traveling and the sooner the better because it may sound a bit crazy to parents and I know I'm not a parent but I've seen parents take their kids really young ages and they just become travel kids like they're just excellent you know they can handle being on planes for long periods of time they're quite good at entertaining themselves they're used to the sort of packing up and going so you know if I were to have kids I would absolutely start young um and 
second, there are some countries and, and areas of the world that are just more kid friendly. Like I, I actually find a lot of Asia are really receptive to kids, um, especially in like places like Thailand and Bali. They love kids in Indonesia um, and they will often look after them for you. So there's just plenty of people on hand to look after kids. They're very gentle with them. They just really love them. And so there are lots of child friendly resorts and places to stay and be and eat. And then same with Europe. Um, it's not as expensive as I think people think anymore. The dollars and the euros have sort of really evened out a lot more. And just, there's so much train travel and so much to see and so much history and culture. It's incredible for them. But I do think if you're, if you're starting out going to a country that's not dissimilar from where you live, so it's less of a culture shock to the kids, they can get the food that, they, that they're that they used to. You know, they can. there's likely to be a couple of chains that they're like, oh, great, can we go to this particular chain because we know the food um, is handy and we, they speak English preferably. Um, and just trying – one small thing when you go away and not trying to move around too much. I definitely see people making that mistake, mm. even as individual travelers. They'll go on their first trip and they're like, I'm going to these eight yeah. different places within this country. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just chill out for two yeah. weeks in this one place. And then, and you know the, you know the deal. Mm. I think it's much better to do less than more. So really experience and soak in one place rather than trying to visit seven especially on your first couple of trips oh slow traveling is so much more enjoyable like you, yeah you might not yeah. get all of the tourist shots and all that kind of stuff but you know as you kind of touched on before you get deeper with the with the people and the culture because you you in a sense become a a, a, a kind of like a local tourist in a way the longer that you can stay in places um i also know that you you've you've chatted to to many people that are kind of traveling around and and you've helped many people um become suitcase entrepreneurs themselves w what are some interesting businesses that that people have created that have enabled them to to travel so many interesting ones like seriously i've had piano teachers who have decided to not do lessons at home and instead put it online and actually one of them uh, she was doing piano lessons just for kids which i think was really neat so she just came up with a course online that they could actually work with her through skype but also watch her videos etc um i've just had nurses who have turned it into so they've been a full-time nurse and they've decided to take that online as well blog about it do private consulting um farm themselves out to different countries when they've been traveling to pop in and do like um you know paid positions it's just it's incredible when people put their mind to it how you can take what you've already done and and then actually either turn it into a business or take it with you um the most prevalent or you know popular ones are coaches consultants authors writers designers etc because you can do so much of that online but there are some crazy like i met a dog trainer who is a, like an award-winning dog trainer in Canada, it goes to all the competitions, et cetera, trains people. And she decided to go online and build all these amazing courses. So her mission is to just reach, you know, millions of people around the world and make it a better world for dogs and people. And she didn't know any of that stuff before, but she knew in order to get her message out largely, she had to move online and it allows her to scale. So I just think there's almost nothing that can't mm -hmm. be turned into a, a you know a portable business within reason and if it if you own a bakery or you own a retail shop then you know you, yes you can have an online shop that goes with it but you can also hire in great people so that you don't have to be there all mm. the time yeah most definitely and i guess what what do you think is one of the things that holds people back from from maybe taking that step and going away from the norm because you know in the west we're kind of brought up to be employed and stay with someone for 
a number of years and retire and, and then that's kind of where life starts. And it's, it's sometimes hard to, to take yourself off that, that learnt footpath. What do you think are some of the things that really hold people back? It is hard to take yourself off that path, but man, we've got to get off it quickly because it's absolutely like the industrial revolution and way of working to suit that era is so gone. And the future of work is completely different. It's based around relationships and skills and teaching and working in with AI and virtual reality. Like, you know, all the traditional sort of jobs that we know are being replaced by computers, by artificial intelligence. And the stuff that we're left with is the people side, the connections, the human element. Um, And so people really need to get their head around that because you won't be in a job for 10, 20 years anymore. Um, and so I think it's it's about wising up. It's about looking at the trends that are coming. It's about reading some of the futurist work and really preparing yourself for what's coming so that you can jump onto the curve ahead of time and not feel like you're really left behind and kind of shocked later on. Um, also, what I always like to say to people is a job is not necessarily financial stability for life. Like you can get fired at any time and then you're mm. kind of, wow, you're in the same space as an entrepreneur who's not having a great run in business. And I think a lot of people saw that during the financial crisis is how many people had to turn to actually starting a side hustle or a business to get by because they had lost their job security. Um, And I think it really highlighted to people, wow, you're not secure. Like a lot of people go, I don't want to leave my cushy job and this guaranteed income. I was like, nothing is guaranteed. So you might as well work on your own terms and do something you love. And I really like um, the idea of a portfolio career that quite a few people talk about now. So they might have a job, but they also might on the side run their own little online business. And outside of that, they might do some volunteering or some mentoring. Or they might have several little businesses and partnerships. And it means that your revenue is coming from multiple sources. And if one of those dries up or doesn't work out, you're not stumped. You know, so I have revenue from property. Uh, My partner's investing in Bitcoin and I'm investing in that through him. Um, I have revenue through mentoring. I also volunteer quite a bit of my time. And then obviously my businesses, um, of which I have a few now, but it's just, there's just a diversity there. So I know in any way at any time, I'm not just going to be left out on lurch. Yeah. Oh, great advice there, Natalie. It really is. And one final question for you here today, uh, Natalie, and it is one that I ask all of my guests, and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. <laughs> um, oh, pretty much living it right now. So basically, I wake up in the morning, I cuddle my partner, Josh, my dog, um, Kayla, comes around and beautiful cuddles. I open the curtains and we have this rose rose bush right outside our window and it's in full bloom right now. So basically, the sun's starting to shine rose bush right there and we do yoga together um uh, which is really lovely with some essential oils burning in the background um and then breakfast together i go and grab the eggs from my chickens and i love making breakfast so it's my favorite one of the day we actually had it on the deck this morning in the sunshine because it's so hot um and then we actually head off to our barn which we've turned into a co-working space and have this beautiful view over the meadows which is pretty epic um and just focus on doing these Pomodoro sessions that we were talking about before we started this interview, um, which is 25 minutes of working and five minutes of break. And recently in the breaks, we've been going to our gym, which is in the barn, or or just running around with a dog and just doing something fun. Um, So that's kind of the perfect day, and it it lasts until maybe two or three. And often in the afternoon, I'll take Kayla on a walk up through the forest here, um, have dinner with friends in the evening, read a book, watch a movie, um, just pretty much being here where we are right now and soaking up nature is, is my perfect day that may change in the future. But just being out in nature pretty much makes my day anytime. Uh, beautiful. Sounds sounds like 
a lovely day indeed. But uh, Natalie, I just want to thank you so much for your time today and, and also for showing people that there's a different option and, and living out of a suitcase and traveling around and, and being an entrepreneur might not be everybody's uh, ideal, but at least what you're doing is you're showing people hey, just stop and think about what it is that you exactly want to do and, and, and different kind of ways to, to look at life. So thank you so much for that. If people do want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about you or, or, or even do some of your courses and, and uh, get some of your guidance, what's the best way for them to do that? I would love for them to come and visit me at nataliesisson.com and I'm at Natalie Sisson on Twitter and Instagram and pretty much Facebook as well. So um, that's where my podcast and blog is and that's where they can find my guidance and I just love for them to connect and say hello. Beautiful. Most definitely. Well, I will we'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Is there a- any final words you have to say, anything that I've left out? I don't think so, but I really, really love the wise words of Yoda, do or do not, there is no try, and I kind of live my life by it. So for anybody who's listening to this and they're inspired, but they're thinking, oh, I might try and do that in the future, or maybe I'll try and travel, or maybe I'll try a side hustle, just give it a shot, just do it. I'm just a huge fan of taking action and seeing what happens. I love that, Natalie, I really do. And thank you so much, and thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.